What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. In 2022, there were only 15 days when police did not shoot and kill someone in the United States, according to a Washington Post database. Also, according to the Washington Post, this year, law enforcement has murdered 691 folks. That is an increase of 52 people since our last roundup. And we don't even know most of their names. There were no marches, rallies, rebellions, or hashtags for them. Most of their families grieved in silence and solitude. It is critical to understand that police murders are just the tip of an egregious iceberg of transgression against our people. Law enforcement serves as a militarized occupying army in our communities and neighborhoods. They racially profile, sexually assault, and wrongfully incarcerate our folks. If we don't know what's happening, then we can't fight back. We can't adequately organize a response. So every week on Law and Disorder, we kick off our Thursdays with a roundup of news related to state violence. We hope this segment serves to expose, agitate, and build. This is the State Terror Roundup for the week of October 16th, 2023. The first time I became aware of the violence of the Vallejo Police Department was in 2012 when they murdered father, son, and brother Mario Romero, who was sitting unarmed in a car outside of his home. He was working with his sister and family to fight for justice when I realized that as bad, corrupt, and murderous as the Oakland Police Department was, the VPD made the OPD look like Boy Scouts. Since Mario's murder, they have killed countless others with impunity, including Willie McCoy, Sean Monterosa, Ronel Foster, Angel Ramos, Marshall Tobin, and so many more. VPD serves a city of about 125,000 in Northern California and has killed more people per arrest than 97% of departments, according to the city's own police scorecard, which compares the department to those that serve a similar population size. And at its peak, the Vallejo PD's rate of officer-involved shootings that resulted in deaths was about 38 times the national rate, according to analysis from local news site KQED. Additionally, they have destroyed countless numbers of files, engaged in badge-banding ceremonies to celebrate the killing of community members, and stalked impacted family members who dare to fight back. These are bad, bad folks, y'all. And they have basically operated this way with zero accountability. Until now. Kinda. This week, California Attorney General Rob Bonta is expected to file a lawsuit in Solano County Superior Court alleging that the Vallejo Police Department has routinely violated individuals' constitutional rights, necessitating court-ordered reforms according to Open Vallejo. The state DOJ will also file a stipulated judgment, also otherwise known as a consent decree, that lays out the steps Vallejo must take to reform its police force. Now, mind you, the Oakland Police Department has been under a consent decree for 23 years. It was supposed to be a five-year process, so what's actually happening here. But the dissent decree comes at the end of a years-long effort by the state DOJ to help the Vallejo Police Department reform itself, read, stop, killing people, which began with an initial investigative subpoena in May 2020. In November 2022, Open Vallejo and ProPublica revealed that Vallejo Police had completed just two of 45 reforms endorsed by the state DOJ. All the while, scandals continue to mount. The deputy chief, who now leads the department, allegedly arrived at a SWAT callout reeking of alcohol and later canceled a body camera analysis program after it allegedly began to surface unprofessional behavior by officers. A senior city attorney responsible for defending civil rights lawsuits off 
authorized the illegal destruction of evidence in multiple police killings and tried to keep the details of other deaths in custody a secret. And the officer who killed Sean Monterosa had his termination overturned, in part due to missteps by the department's command staff. Wonder if that was intentional. Then in June, a Vallejo police officer shot someone for the first time in over three years. Listen, I don't believe policing anywhere can be reformed. Reform means fix, and policing in this country isn't broken. Tear it all down and rebuild community-centered solutions to public safety that are rooted in addressing people's basic needs, mental health and trauma healing, and uplifting the humanity of us all. Source, Open Vallejo and Vice. And just a little bit more on Vallejo, because who can get enough? A TikTok video recently surfaced showing a VPD officer repeatedly punching a woman in the face. Apparently, there was a car crash and the responding officer approached the Nissan with his gun drawn, pulled the driver out, slammed her against the truck, and then onto the ground. He punched her and held her down with his knees on her neck and shoulders. VPD's justification for this violence? Apparently, she tried to flee from the scene. Sure, yeah, that deserves a beating. Is that what they teach you in cop school? Source, Vallejo Sun. And the fight to stop Cop City continues, and elected to continue to try to pretend they aren't accountable to the residents of Atlanta who absolutely do not want Cop City constructed in their city. From September 15th through the 18th of 2023, Data for Progress conducted polling in partnership with the Vote to Stop Cop City Coalition regarding Atlanta voters' attitudes toward the construction of Cop City, as well as recent legal events pertaining to protesters and overcrowding and deaths at Fulton County Jail. Atlanta groups have faced numerous setbacks by city officials in their efforts to get a referendum about Cop City on the ballot, with Mayor Andre Dickens calling a campaign for referendum futile. To understand how voters view the referendum in general, Data for Progress asked whether voters should be able to determine how the land the city has leased for the police training facility should be used, or if the city should abide by elected officials' decision to lease the land to the Atlanta Police Foundation. They found that a majority of Atlanta voters believe a vote should be held to determine how the land is used by a plus 26-point margin. Turns out Atlanta voters not only want the chance to vote about Cop City, but also when presented with ballot language, the majority of folks would vote against it. Data for Progress also asked Atlanta voters about the validity of a variety of statements that have been made regarding the protests and law enforcement activity around the construction of the Cop City facility amid contradictory and ambiguous information from officials, especially regarding the Georgia State Patrol's murder of protester Manuel Tortuguita Teran. They found high rates of Atlanta voters saying that they have not heard enough to say whether many of these statements are true or false. But among statements where most voters have heard enough to say whether it's true or false, Atlanta voters believe that Atlanta's elected officials have inaccurately represented details such as finances surrounding the Cop City facility to citizens by a 14-point margin, peaceful protesters have been wrongfully arrested by a 12-point margin, and Georgia and Atlanta law enforcement officials have violated activist rights to demonstrate peacefully by a 6-point margin. Notably, as the city refuses to count referendum petition signatures, 40% of Atlanta's voters believe that the Vote to Stop Cop City Coalition collected enough signatures to get a vote on the ballot regarding the land lease to the APF. Lastly, they asked Atlanta voters whether they support or oppose a proposal to build a new Fulton County jail facility, which would be paid for, in part, by raising property taxes. Majorities of Democratic, 55%, and Independent, 55% voters, as well as a third of Republican voters in the city, oppose this proposal to construct a new jail. No surprise there, the current jail is a murderous dungeon run by a corrupt sheriff who should be recalled. Can you do that? Recall the sheriff? Something to ponder. Source, data for progress. 
And in more Cop City news, the state of Georgia is refusing to release evidence tied to the murder of Manuel Paez Teran or Tortuguita. District Attorney George Christian released a 31-page report earlier this month concluding that his murder was objectively reasonable. Reasonable? Tortuguita suffered 57 gunshots from six police law enforcement officers from multiple law enforcement agencies, and every activist on site says he was unarmed. What's more, if it was justifiable, why won't they release the evidence? That's a rhetorical question. We know that Tortuguita was murdered as a warning shot to organizers and activists that the state had no intention of playing fair in the fight over Cop City, and my, have we seen that bear out to be true. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation, the GBI, the agency charged with investigating this, also announced that the evidence would not be released because the movement itself is the subject of a separate, quote, criminal investigation and prosecution, end quote. That evidence includes photographs, audio witness interviews, crime scene drawings and reports, forensic lab reports, and body camera video and audio. I'm sorry, what? They are not releasing evidence as a way to justify the unjustifiable RICO charges facing 61 stop cop city activists. Tying the decision to withhold state's evidence to the investigation of those who oppose the planned training center, quote, feels like a thinly veiled threat to any movement to stop cop cities anywhere, end quote, said Alejandro Villapando, a California State University Los Angeles professor who researches state violence. I couldn't agree more. Source, The Guardian. The Los Angeles Police Department is also one of the most violent and murderous police departments in the country, right up there with VPD. This time they didn't kill, but last week they shot a man who was holding a knife. How many times are we got to talk about this on, on the Roundup, y'all? How many times does this need to happen? What could be done with time and space and mental health experts? But that's not what cops are trained to do. Cops are trained to subdue a so-called subject, air quotes there, with force and violence basically by any means necessary and as fast as possible. This is the foundational training of policing all over the nation, all over the globe, actually. And a lot of that training comes, oh, yeah, from the IDF. Um, and as long as it remains that way, we will all remain hunted prey. Source, Yahoo News. The San Francisco Police Department, who regularly stocks, beats, wrongfully incarcerates, and far too often kills the people of SF, has found a new weapon to torture communities with the Bola Wrap. For those who don't know, a Bola Wrap is a device that shoots rope out with hooks that can pierce flesh out of a handheld device. They say it's a less lethal weapon, but let's be clear, it's not about the weapons police are given, it's about the institution of policing as a whole. As the co-founder of the anti-police terror project, Terha Ak says, quote, if you armed them with a bouquet of flowers, they would choke us to death with the flowers, end quote. Ways in which the bola wrap could be dangerous and or fatal for folks. So let's say they're in an excited state and it wraps around them and they hit the ground and knock their head. Let's say the flesh piercing hooks lodge into an artery or an organ, or if the ropes are so tight that they suffocate the person to death. All plausible scenarios, all probable scenarios, every single tool, weapon, instrument, implement, cops have access to have at least in one case and and usually in many more seriously hurt people and or killed them. You know what doesn't kill people? Time, space, and mental health workers. And the thing is about SFPD is that if and when they do severely injure or kill someone with this new device, there will be zero accountability. With Brooke Jenkins as the district attorney across the bridge there, cops have a green light to harm with no accountability. 
This has been the State Terror Roundup for the week of October 16th, 2023. State Terror Roundup soundtrack provided by Coffee Brown, an Oakland musician, singer, and songwriter who has been a force in the Bay Area hip-hop and soul scene since the early 90s. You can check her out at kofybrown.com and her website and socials are linked from our site at kpfa.org. Shout out to my producer, Jesse Strauss, for helping me curate the content for this segment. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.